Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Impeachment hearings continue. Uh, Tensions now seem to be rising with uh, North Korea. Uh, As always, President Donald Trump has uh, a full plate. And, uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. let's not forget Saturday Night Live and uh, the whole Prime Minister and, and Boris Johnson thing uh, that they started off their show with. Let's bring in Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. He is with us now. Elliot, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, good afternoon, Scott. Well, at least there's always lots to talk about with Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, first, let's start with, uh, with NATO and what happened in London last week. Uh, in regard to it, it always it was interesting before the uh, the NATO uh, meeting started, I remember asking uh, an expert what they thought we would be talking about after it was all over. And obviously this wasn't what it was, uh, but uh, it, it is what is what has happened. Uh, and, and, you know, it's pretty much passed over now. But I'd like to get your opinion on the whole uh, cocktail party thing. Trudeau, uh, of course, uh, disciplined in the past for not minding his P's and Q's uh, when at events such as this. On the other hand, uh, lots in the U.S. using this as an example to point out what the world really thinks of Donald Trump. Your thoughts on how it all went down? Well, I'm very disappointed that what we're talking about is uh, that that viral clip you know, yeah. that mm-hmm. everybody's now talking about. And yes, the yes, Saturday Night Live was very funny. Um, particularly, I thought the Merkel bit. But the point is, is that NATO actually had a very important summit, and this is a huge distraction from talking about it. It wasn't a summit, by the way. It was a commemoration or celebration of 70 years mm-hmm. of the most, as the cliche goes, the most successful military alliance in history. But, uh, Scott, it's far more than a military alliance, or it probably would have failed by now if it's strictly military. Uh, we should remind ourselves what it was. It's a collective defense. Everybody talks about Article 5. An attack on one is an attack on all. And um, they've gone up now. They're almost to 30 members. Canada played a huge role in, this, in the creation of NATO. Lester Pearson, as foreign affairs minister, helped draft this, and he put in an Article 2, which nobody talks a whole lot about. But basically it said we can do other things besides military. We can work together as a like-minded group and And NATO has been wildly successful in that sense, in that it is held together. It does have uh, a military uh, kinetic capacity. It's taken part, you know, there's been many activities, not many, but a handful of times when NATO actually operates in a military way. And Canada has been part of every single one of those. So what we talk about today in NATO is the President of the United States only wants to talk about money. And if, if the state's say that they are going to and then indeed put up more money than he says it's a success not a failure in canada we should remind ourselves is number six in terms of contributions so we're below that magical two percent donald trump right to call others out on this yes uh, he's he's right because every, every american president has been doing that america spends more than all others combined and uh, there's long been a you know a burden sharing issue there but it's not the only issue and coming back to your question, what we saw uh, coming out of NATO and what's caught all of our attention was that um, here we go again moment where apparently our prime minister was was part of a conversation that was caught on a hot mic saying, you know, joking afterwards. So that happened after the G7, which we hosted in Charlevoix, you'll remember, and that was mm-hmm. successful, except that... Um, after the end of it, there was a press conference, and our prime minister said some things that were then relayed to the 
Trump uh, Air Force One, which was on its way, and we'll come to this, to the first summit meeting with Kim. And then he said, okay, I'm, I'm ripping up everything I signed at, hmm. at that. So he's got a very thin skin, and that skit undoubtedly yeah. uh, was a factor. But I want to underline that the NATO meeting had a lot of other things. They did agree to deal with, uh, as they've been saying, we cover and air, and air, land, and sea. Now we're going to cover space and also cyberspace. So they're, they're taking on cutting-edge roles in saying we, we know that cyber is now a new domain of war, and NATO has to be uh, looking forward, and also China's rising. We have to add that. So it's meant to be a, uh, a meeting of, group, of a group that has done very well, done good in a sense, in uh, preserving peace. Uh, our, our Prime Minister, our, our Lester Pearson at the time, Foreign Minister, said this isn't an alliance about war, it's an alliance about peace, hmm. and then we get, you know... So despite the divisiveness we have in the world after 70 years, uh, they're on pretty strong ground. You, you're, you're pretty well, confident. Well, we have two concerns in terms of NATO, to quickly talk more about NATO. Uh, one concern is that the internal dissensions really have reached a level where there's real concern that the number two army is in size in NATO, that's Turkey, is pulling so far away from what the NATO partners are all about that there's even been talk, not at this meeting, that maybe Turkey doesn't belong in NATO. And they, the dissension between Turkey and everybody else, is uh, there's always dissension, there's always issues, but this one's potentially serious enough to put a strain. And, of course, the second threat is, although Donald Trump has said at this meeting, I now think NATO's a good thing, he's very ambiguous always about whether Article 5 would apply to those, in this case, who don't pay their dues. Hmm. But he, he could any day now uh, just walk out and say, I, I want, particularly if he's reelected, say, I'm going to withdraw from NATO. And that would be a, a huge change in the geostrategic situation of the world. All right. We remember way back when uh, with uh, President Trump and Kim Jong-un getting in a war of word yeah. and buttons and blowing everything up and such when uh, Kim Jong-un was test, uh, testing missiles and such. Uh, then, of course, there was the, the, the summit and all was well. The problem was solved and, and we kind of moved on. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about uh, hostility again and, and more m- missile testing. And uh, another quote, Kim Jong-un is too smart and has far too much to lose. Yes. Everything, actually, if he acts in a hostile way. Yes. What happened here? How did this go off the rails? Because when the president left, everything was hunky-dory. Well, not been hunky-dory for a long time. The very first summit, uh, again, remember he left us, he left Canada, and after that meeting, on his way to that first summit in June. And then uh, there was a second summit. That, that first summit went very well in, in all the optics of it. Uh, there was an agreement in principle in general, very general, about what was going to happen next. Then there was another meeting in Hanoi at the end of February last year, coming up almost to the anniversary of it, where that summit fell apart because it was clear the two sides had totally different concepts of what the agreement might be. And Donald Trump left early, I believe, before he lunch. Did. Yeah. He did. He walked out on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been saying ever since then, look, the working, he doesn't say it this way, we have to fish it out. The working groups between the two countries continue to operate. We continue to have um, uh, efforts to see to it that the two sides, uh, misunderstanding of what it means, what is denuclearization, 
uh, essentially it comes down to Kim Jong-un wants concessions and keep his nukes, and America saying you get no concessions unless you totally denuclearize. Denuclearization for North Korea means getting American troops out of <laughs> and, and, and weapons out of East Asia, which China would like in any way. So they, they have not come to an agreement as to what's going on. Most recently, to bring us up to date, Kim Jong-un has been threatening America, mm-hmm. which I find in itself kind of interesting, uh, threatening America that there's a deadline. That by the end of this year, America has to make concessions to North Korea that North Korea will accept, or there's not going to be further progress. And that's where we are. Uh, then he's done something symbolic. He rode his white horse up Mount Paektu, which is a sacred mountain, and he's, his family claims semi-divinity status by their connection to that mountain. So he's ridden his white horse up there, very dramatic, and he's called a plenum of the highest levels of his party, which normally doesn't happen twice in a year. It happens rarely, which means something big might be coming, and he just tested something or another, we aren't sure, in a base which was supposed to have been closed down. It clearly isn't closed down, right. but uh, a powerful engine of some kind apparently was tested, and he's promising a Christmas surprise one way or another, and America has to make a choice which way that is. And now they're back to name-calling. Uh, what do you, what's the Christmas surprise? Any, uh, want to weigh in on that? What, what is he talking about? Well, his mind, in his mind, apparently the Christmas surprise is, um, let's get back together by the end of the year and let's get talking, you know, get some concessions. Remember, they're under very severe sanctions, which apparently even China is uh, more or less sticking to. So their economy is being badly hurt. They want to help from under those sanctions. He wants some concessions on those. Otherwise, something will happen. That something with this um, the speculation is that this was a very powerful rocket which could be used to launch a satellite into space and therefore not violate any understandings about weapons development. Remember, he has suspended nuclear testing and long-range missile testing, but that same uh, powerful new engine apparently could also be used to power an ICBM, which would be uh, a clear violation of everybody's understanding, and everybody would go back to uh, edge-of-the-seat uh, gamesmanship o- over North Korea. So did anything come out of any of these two summits? Did anything move forward? Yes, lots of photo ops and handshakes, and Donald Trump saying he's a great, uh, a great deal-maker. What mainly came out of it, in my opinion, which is totally overlooked, is that the South Koreans, uh, remember there was a, a lot of pressure on the North, up, up just before the Olympics last time, uh, which were held in South Korea. And suddenly, unexpectedly, North Korea said, why don't we have uh, a joint uh, set of teams in the South Korean right. Olympics? So basically, North Korea made an opening to the South, which the South has built upon and has tried to expand that, that peace momentum, the space for peace, and that has carried on. And some... A lot of credit should be given to the South Koreans. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Is this going to turn into another Twitter war? Is this going to turn into another war of words? My concern is not that it's a war of words, but we could end up in war. Remember, as you pointed out right at the top, the U.S. was really in a very, very um, uh, dangerous situation with Kim Jong-un over nuclear tests, and it looked as if if they misplayed the game of chicken, which can happen, yeah. or if an accident, which could happen, 
uh, we could have actually been in some kind of a conflict in that area. My concern is that what we're seeing now can be mishandled by both sides to the point we're back to an actual face-off involving, as we enter 2020, uh, looking forward into the next year, uh, uh, that that could be a real hot spot in the world. So at the end of the day, uh, Kim Jong-un has realized this was all uh, just a big show and nothing's really changed for him, so he's continuing where he left off. Well, he's still hoping. That is, the U.S. has made very, very clear it wants a deal. And this was, you know, they... He wants to deal someplace on something, <laughs> yeah. and that's been widely noted, say, by Iran, and it's been noted by, you know, around the world, uh, saying that we, this may be our time to squeeze something out of Donald Trump, who clearly doesn't like going to war in any way whatsoever. One of the components of this particular dispute right now is Donald Trump saying you, you, cannot, you cannot interfere in America's election by doing something militarily in November, at the election time, messing us up. So... Part of the warnings now, going back and forth, is a warning by Trump, uh, don't do anything militarily that would upset things, but also don't mess with my my re-election. So we are in a situation where North Korea does say, look, we want to sit down and have a deal. We're, We're making this threat of a Christmas surprise, but we actually we want to sit down and start negotiations again. If only Donald Trump would come to his senses, and they've used very strong language. It's important to note as a nuance, Scott, that Kim Jong-un, him, Kim Jong-un himself has not personally insulted Donald Trump. It's people around him who said that he's an erratic old man. And <laughs> so how is this playing in the U.S.? Because, again, after uh, the last visit, this was all solved. And are those in the U.S. now saying, well, I thought this was fixed? I think uh, the U.S. is rather distracted at the minute. Uh, yeah. The, the domestic politics. Maybe when you think about it, this is perfect timing for Kim Jong Un oh, to start absolutely. doing this. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And not only Kim Jong Un, uh, all around the world, this is a great time. Uh, the U.S. president is preoccupied, and the uh, nature of his governance is rather erratic at, to start with. And we have a situation of of uh, the defense. People don't know what the president is doing within his wider security apparatus, as happened in the case of Turkey. So this is a time when uh, others may be probing. But I think what, to be optimistic about it, Kim Jong-un is angling for a resumption of talks, and Donald Trump wants a resumption of talks. And even though I'm, like everybody else, very suspicious that these talks are actually uh, on the same wavelength with each other, and that I'm very concerned that Trump is going to make some huge concessions, such as, oh, yeah, we'll pull our troops out of South Korea. He, he offered that gratuitously. But it's still better to have talks going on than tests. Mm. Uh, let's switch gears real quick. Uh, obviously, uh, impeachment moving forward at this point, we're to assume that this is going to go into the House, and obviously the House will uh, impeach the president. Then it moves on to the Senate, which is controlled by the Republicans, where everyone's assuming it will be thrown out. I- I- will there be any surprises here at all, Elliot? Will you know impeachment in the House, thrown out in the Senate? What will the Senate hearings be like? Will they try to, to shut this stuff down pretty quickly? Or It'll will they, tr- or will they try to re- re- rebuke, rebunk everything that uh, that uh, has been said up until now in the other hearings? Well, the word surprise is, is a good one to use. 
as we see it now, it's going to go exactly as you and I have been discussing for a long time. Remember, just to recap, what we've had is the House Intel Committee saying we are drawing up, we are hearing evidence, and now we're passing it over to the Judiciary Committee to see if that evidence warrants formal uh, drawing up of charges, that this is really a charge sheet. Then it goes to the Senate to hold a trial on whether or not that should go, you know, the president should be convicted on that charge sheet and removed from office or not. And nothing has come out of the hearings so far in the House that suggests that there's a re- the Republican base is deserting the president. Therefore, the elected officials in the House and Senate in, per- Senate in particular are going to desert him. So, no, it'll go on to the Senate. There'll be a very short trial and uh, exonerated. Saturday Night, Light had a, Saturday Night Live had a good skit on that as well, exonerated. Hmm. And what we see is not a momentous, uh, momentous moment in American history, but kind of a speed bump on the way to the uh, election in 2020, where both sides will use the impeachment to mobilize their base and to raise money. The question that you've uh, asked is, you know, what, what about you know, a surprise? And I think that's the only thing now that we can still watch for, Will the other things crop up with the machinery already in place for hmm. impeachment that would affect the kind of scenario that you and I have been talking about for a long time? At the minute, there's no sign of it, but that's the definition of surprise, isn't it? <laughs> but at the moment, it looks as if this is just going to work it out along the way we've been describing. So chances are uh, the U.S. will just roll into the next election yes. with, the, with the outcome that we're, we're uh, predicting at this point. That's the odds right now. Yeah. But again, the machinery is in place and yeah. something might come along. But, you know, that's, that's And something. most likely self-inflicted. Or who knows what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's remember he's got 15 legal cases against him outstanding. Uh, there's there's the possibility that the big debate inside the Democrats side right now, and, that's, and they have to come to a conclusion immediately, is are we going to stick only with this one simple charge? Oh, it has to be kept simple for the American public, and that's over the Ukraine, over Ukraine, and the this, basically the scandal there, or which is constitutionally compelling but politically very uh, problematic people, how much do they care or understand? Or are they going to broaden it out and say, hey, remember that Mueller had like 19 cases of obstruction of justice potentially and said, if I could have exonerated the president, I would have done so, but I couldn't. Mm. So will they bring in other things? And so will some outside factors come into the into these hearings or not? At the moment, it looks like they're not, in which case it's going to be a very narrowly defined, uh, again, constitutionally compelling perhaps, but politically problematic charge sheet and no we're just uh, it's a speed bump on the way to the election elliot tepper has been with us emeritus professor of political science carleton university elliot as always thanks so much for the time much appreciated oh you're very welcome scott the scott thompson show weekdays from noon to three on 900 chml